becoming all that God had ultimately designed marriage to be, uh, one is simply this, is that there tends to be a misunderstanding of the marriage relationship itself. In other words, people don't understand what it's supposed to be or what it's ultimately supposed to look like. And so what we've done over the last month or so, uh, we have gone back to the book of Genesis to the beginning to see how it is that God had created marriage and, and how he had originally designed it. And we saw that God had created marriage to be a partnership, uh, a provision, a process, and a place. And so, so here's the key. Uh, if our marriages are going to be all that God has them to be, we have to understand that that's how he has prepared it. That's how he's created it. And so we need to understand those things, understand those principles, and also apply it in humility. So the first problem oftentimes is that there's just a misunderstanding of what the marriage relationship looks like. Uh, other, the other problem that I find is that sometimes there is a misunderstanding or a, a lack of willingness to hold to the God-given roles within the relationship. In other words, God has given both husbands and wives specific, very clear roles within the marriage that we are supposed to use and we're supposed to live out. Now, one thing that should uh, be known by now, if you've been with us at all during this, uh, do, during this series, is we should understand the principle that is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32. And the overarching uh, uh, um, idea is this uh, principle, is that the relationship between a husband and wife is to mimic or emulate the, the relationship between Christ and the church. In other words, how Christ and the church interact and relate to one another is a clear picture of how this relationship between husband and wife is supposed to work out. So we're supposed to love each other, care for each other in a way that demonstrates, once again, what it's like to be in a relationship with who? With, with Christ. And so we've seen that in the broad sense. We've seen what that looks like. We, we talked about it last week that really within this marriage, uh, we are supposed to, as Christ does for us, constantly be extending grace and mercy and unconditional love with each other all the time. Why is that? Because that's what Christ does for his church. W would you agree? So that's what it looks like in the broad sense. But this morning, we want to look at what that specifically looks like in the narrow sense. In other words, how does that look for a wife to treat her spouse as a, as a, a, a husband as the Christ responds to the church and and likewise, Christ to the church itself and of how the father responds or how a husband responds to his wife. What are these specific roles? Well, my original plan as of this morning until about 6.50 uh, was to give both of these roles, okay? But I kept sitting there going, we don't have an hour and a half to get through this, all right? And so I had to cut it off, which is very dangerous, which means that basically I'm just primarily addressing women today, right? Right, ladies? Say Amen. Amen. Oh, I like that. All right. Oh, very good. If I said amen to, if I said God say amen, it'd be like, amen. all right. And so ladies, now, so it's going to be a little bit difficult, but I think there's something positive here. I think by addressing them separately, I think it's going to give us more time to be able to focus on it. But I think it's also going to give you some time to think about your role without immediately sitting there and going, yeah, but what is he supposed to do? Right. And that's what we do. If we did both roles of women, we kind of like, like, bear and, you know, grin and bear it and say, okay, let's get to the men, right? Well, we're going to wait to get to the men in, in a little bit later. Ladies, we're just going to focus on you. You wanted the focus. All right, here it is. All right. And so what is the role? What does the Bible say the role of women are, of, of a wife is specifically in the marriage? Here it is. You're going to love this. Willing submission. 
willing submission. Now look at the scriptures again. Verse 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. So two things are being done here. First of all, he's telling what the role of the wife is. The role of the wife is to willingly submit to her husband. But he's also teaching you how you go about doing that. You submit to your husband how? In the same way that the church submits to Christ. So to understand how the church submits to Christ helps us to understand how you are now to submit in everything, as the word of God says, to how you submit to your husband. Now listen, already I've been around long enough uh, to know that once you begin to use words like submit and women in the same sentence, all right, that that really has a way of really stirring up some strong emotions uh, within us. And I understand that you might be visiting for the first time, and if this is the first time you've heard us preach, this may not be the best first impression, okay? Well, I heard about this church. They were about, all about some women submitting, right? There's, got, there's more to the sermon. So listen to all this sermon series. But let me do this. I think it's, we have to really track carefully here. Right, men? Right, 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 ladies? So what I want to do is I, I want to, we have to know what does the Bible mean when it says to submit to your husband. I think the best way about that is, first of all, to make sure we understand what it is not meaning. It is not meaning the following. When he says to submit to your husband, he's not saying that the wife is to be subservient or a slave of the husband. The Bible is not saying, it does not mean that the wife is a doormat to be walked all over. It does not mean that she is to be devoid of opinions. In fact, not only can she have her opinions, but she is, has every right to disagree with the opinion of her husband. Okay, so some of you are like, oh, good, all right? So far, so good, all right? Uh, the next, uh, or does, does submitting to the husband mean that she has to remain silent or not express herself? Nor does it mean that she sits idly by while her husband runs her family off of a cliff. Listen, ladies, to me very carefully. You are created as a helpmate to your husband to help fulfill and to aid him into understanding and to fulfill God's sovereign plan for the family. He cannot do it without you. You are both his partner and his provision from God, all right? So to sit back, and here's what happens. We have a tendency to go to one extreme to the next, right? We're either like, he's not gonna tell me anything to do, or I have to sit back and I have to take everything. That's not the way that it looks, That's not the way the Bible ultimately suggests this to be. Ladies, you are there to help your husband to keep keep him from leading the family off of a cliff, from destroying them. You need to speak up. You need to have your thoughts. You need to share your thoughts. All of those are vital for this relationship to be all that God has ultimately called it to be. Does that make sense? So it's, it's none of those things. It certainly doesn't mean that the woman is inferior in any way, shape, or form. She is the same in worth and value before God. Women, just like men, were created in the image of God. Same value, same worth, no inferiority. The term is a, this is what's interesting to me. The term is, is often thought of as negative. You, you say that word, hey, women in submission within any part of our culture, it's gonna be looked at as being negative. But it's interesting because the idea of submission in the word of God, allow our minds to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the word of God. It's always positive. It's always positive. Uh, For example, we see in the Godhead, 
Uh, it, it's, we, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that they're all co-equal, all co-equally God. They have the same value. They have the same worth, but yet they have different roles. Would you agree? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we find the Son willfully submitting to who? The Father. The Holy Spirit willfully submitting to the Son in the will of the Father. Constantly this submission. Why? It's, it's how things work. It's how they get things done. But I don't think any of us would suggest, unless you're a heretic, that, none, that they are not co-equal with each other. It's, it's the foundation of our, of our belief of, as Christians. And so if those things are not what it means, then the question is, what does it mean? The word literally means to subject or to subordinate oneself. Now, it really kind of carries the idea of this. It's the willful relinquishing of one's rights. Ladies, look up here for a moment. This is what the Bible is calling you to do in the relationship with your husband. He is calling you to stop fighting for what you want in the relationship. He is calling you to stop demanding your way. He's calling you to, to quit pursuing your needs and to lay down your rights while entrusting yourself fully to the leadership of your husband. That's what it means to submit. It means to quit fighting within the relationship for what you want, to quit looking after yourself, to quit fighting for your way, to quit being critical and condescending to your spouse, but rather to take all of those things and to say, I'm not going to pursue these, I'm not going to follow these, I'm not going to fight for these anymore. Honey, I'm trusting you with them, and you place them at his feet. Now, men, I am going to address the men for a second. Men, that is immensely terrifying for our wives, and for several reasons. It's extremely difficult to do because there are three major barriers that are, that are fighting against our wives all the time in order to be able to do what it is that the Bible is calling us to do. Ladies, let me, let me share what those barriers are. The first barrier is this is a cultural barrier. I kind of mentioned this just for a second ago. There's nowhere in our culture today that they teach on the submission of a wife to a husband. Would you agree? I mean, that is not in vogue today. In fact, the thought of, or the speaking of, any woman in any relationship submitting to a man in any way, shape, or form, including marriage, is both repulsive and repugnant by the culture in which we live. We have a culture that teaches an extreme feminism, which basically blurs the lines and really disturbs the mind of a believer if they're not grounded in the word of God because it confuses what womanhood really looks like, what it really looks like to be a godly wife. And so this is the culture and this is the pressure that's constantly being placed uh, uh, on women and, and, and on wives. Uh, we are told that women are supposed to be independent of men. They're supposed to be powerful. They're supposed to be strong. They, they should have no need of man for any reason at all. Now, let me, let me suggest something. The reason that some of this is hard to deal with is because there's a little bit of line of truth in that. I want my five girls to be strong, independent women. You, you, you realize that, right? In other words, I don't want some little blue-eyed, brown-haired brown boy at 12 years old influencing my daughter, Yes? right? Get away from her, all right? Be independent. I, I want them to know. I want them to learn. I want them to be able to have a skill. I don't know if they will get married. I don't know if when they will get married. So I want to prepare them so that they're not relying on another individual. They can rely fully and completely on Christ alone. You, you guys get that picture, right? 
But when you take that teaching and you say, keep being your independent self within the marriage, that's when chaos begins to break free. And that's what a lost culture is trying to teach. A, tri- a culture is trying to say, don't let that man define you. You be your own person. And what they, what they fail to see is they fail to see that this relationship has now changed. You have now become one. You've now become one. No, no longer individuals. You now have ultimately become one. The reason that the world and our society ultimately rejects it is this why. The idea of subservience or the idea of submitting themselves to a husband shows weakness. That's what the world would say. It's showing that you're ultimately weak. What I'm suggesting is that the Bible teaches just the opposite. Your willingness to submit to your husband is not a sign of weakness, but is a sign of strength. You sit there and say, well, that's a great way to twist it, man who is speaking from to the ladies today. Really great. What, what do you think, we're stupid? You know, it's kind of like with a kid. Hey, it's much better for you. No, no. Look, this is, this is key here. How do we know that? Where do we see it in the gospel? Jesus Christ was very careful when he said this. He said these words he, he, in, in, in preaching in John chapter 10 and verse 18. He said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up, which means I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to pick it back up. This charge I have received from my father. He says no one takes it. So when Jesus allows himself to be crucified on the cross for our sins, it is not a sign of weakness, is it? No, it's a sign of meekness. What does meekness mean? It means strength under control. That's power. Jesus had the ability before, while, while they were crucifying him on the cross to step off the cross and to eradicate everybody who was ultimately there. Would you agree? But he refused to, submitting himself to what? To Christ. That's power. And so ladies, let me tell you this. Nobody in your home or a pulpit or anywhere else is demanding of you, is making of you, is going to force you to be able to submit to your husband. If you do, it's out of your own willful meekness and strength to be able to do so. So it's not what the world says, but the culture is going to constantly tell you the opposite. It's going to be pressuring. You've got this outward pressure. Ladies, do you feel that pressure of what you need to be and you need to be independent and you need this? And sometimes you allow that to begin to affect you and impact the way that you ultimately think, that cultural barrier from outside. But there's also something, uh, a pressure from the inside that, that is, is probably even more powerful than what's happening on the outside. And that's the sin barrier, the sin barrier. There's a compulsion within you that doesn't like the idea of somebody leading you and you trying to submit yourself to anybody else. Is is that true? There's a sinful aspect that we don't like anybody. Don't you be telling me what to do, right? You ain't my mama. You know, you, you, you remember as a little kid growing up. What's well, the same exact thing? There's just a part of us that don't like to be told what to do. I was uh, a little while ago. I was pulled over by a police officer, and I got to be honest with you. I didn't like it very much. He said, "Sir, you didn't have your seatbelt on." I'm like, "What's that?" Right? There, there's a seatbelt on, right? And, and there's a part of me that's a little bit irritated. He's my authority, and I'm sitting there going, bro, why are you giving me such a hard time? There is something within us. What is that something within us that doesn't want to really acknowledge authority? What is it? Say it with me. Sin, right? Now, that's true for all relationships. We don't like to submit to any authority, but I think that is especially true. Now, listen, for a wife in the relationship with her husband. Now, here's why. We go back to Genesis again, Genesis chapter 3, verse 16. And after the fall, God begins to pronounce a curse on all the creation. And how this sin is now going to impact both husbands and wives. And then he says to the wives, here's what he says, uh, Genesis chapter 3, 16. He says, 
for her, her desire would be for her husband. A wife's desire would be for her husband. Now, unfortunately, guys, that's not... It, 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 it doesn't mean what it sounds like it means, okay? All right, you got that part? All right. In other words, the curse wasn't, uh, your wife can't keep her hands off you, all right? Woo, what a curse, all right? No, that's not what's happening here. Uh, what it means when it says that her desire shall be for him, it means that her desire shall have her position, his position to lead, to, 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 to lead him, to have his authority. And so what was happening is in the fall, this would be her struggle, Before the fall, she's in full submission to her husband. Now, it makes sense, doesn't it? Stop and think about what her first sin was. What did she do? She didn't submit to her husband. Now, the big problem, we'll see this in a couple weeks, was that the husband wasn't leading. But what did she ultimately do? She ends up leading the family. She takes the food. She comes to him. She influences him. She's leading this particular relationship. And so what God says is because of that sin, now the curse is going to be within your flesh. That sin within you is going to want you to constantly fight against that leadership and for you to be able to take that role. And so what it does is instead of full submission, there is going to be now manipulation by wives to their husbands. Manipulation, either emotional, uh, either emotional manipulation, ladies, you may, may or may not, or physical, sexual manipulation, okay? I'm, I'm not gonna go into too much detail. I'm just allowing the Holy Spirit to be able to speak, right? It's either emotional. Hey, ladies, you know how to get what you often want, And so instead of sitting there submitting to the leadership, it's like, hey, here's how I'm going to get, I'm going to manipulate either emotionally or sexually. The other idea there is through just blatant insubordination. I'm not going to do what it is that my husband is calling me to do. I'm going to be an independent woman. I'm going to do my thing. He's going to do his thing. And so that's the way that that sin begins to pull and begins to, 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 to drive and to begin to infect that relationship. So there's a cultural barrier that's pressing on the outside. There's a sin barrier, which is ultimately pressing and pressuring from the inside. But then there's also a fear. A third barrier is the husband barrier, all right? And this might be the most difficult thing to be able to overcome. See, here's one thing, is when the Bible says that a wife is supposed to submit to her husband as Christ submits to, as as the church submits to Christ, for us, for you ladies, you're sitting there going, yeah, listen, submitting to Christ, it makes sense. He's perfect. He's all loving. He's all caring. He gives of himself. He's never selfish. He's always selfless. He even gave his life for me. He's wonderful. But you know what's interesting is still the sin that dwells within you even makes it hard to submit to him. Would you agree, ladies? To Christ. Now God is saying to you, submit to your husbands who are not perfect, who are not selfless, who do not have it all together. This is a scary, scary deal. These are the things that you have that are uh, basically fighting against you. And so what ultimately happens is what we need to see here is we need to understand that when the scriptures are telling us this, this is not a conditional um, a command of God. In other words, what I find ladies doing all the time is they'll say this. They'll say something to the effect of, hey, I've got no problem to submitting to my husband's leadership. He just needs to provide for me something worth submitting to, right? I mean, you guys got that, right? I got no problem with following as long as he gives me something worth following after. But until then, I'm going to be by my own. That's not what the word of God is saying. In fact, we find it in, the, in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 5. Man, I can't wait to be done with this sermon. It just feels like death in here right now. All right, 1 first, first Peter chapter 3, here comes vacation. 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 5. This is what Peter says. He says, for this is how the holy woman who hoped in God used to adorn themselves 
He says, but, oh, I, I went to the wrong one. I'm sorry, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 6. In that, man, see, that's how much I want. I try to jump to the end. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, it tells there that women are supposed to submit to their husbands, but in the context, the husbands that they're submitting to are lost men. So whether a believer or unbeliever, whether they have it all together, whether they don't have it together, it is unconditional that whoever your husband is, that's the one you are to be submitting to in his leadership. Now that's tough, very difficult. The question is, how do we overcome such great boundaries? How do we overcome a culture that constantly tries to feed us one thing when we know the scriptures say the difference? How do you fight over that barrier, that compulsion that's within you to be able to overcome that, this sin barrier? How do you overcome uh, the husband barrier when you look to him and say, hey man, that sounds good, let's submit and obey God. And then you look over and you see this guy and he just doesn't have it together. How do you overcome all that? I think the key is found in Colossians chapter three, verse 18. If you have your Bibles open to that just for a moment. Colossians chapter three and verse 18. Paul gives the same exact command as he does in Ephesians chapter five. Here's what he says. He says, wives, submit to your husbands. And here it is. As is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. That phrase, as is fitting in the Lord, it means to be what is proper in the eyes of the Lord. Or here's another way. What brings Christ joy, what satisfies Christ the most is when a wife ultimately submits to her husband. It pleases God. Here, here's, here's what I'm pulling at today. Ladies, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the way I know that you can overcome those three barriers is because when God saved you, he regenerated you. Old things were passed away and all things have become new, which means this. Before you were born again, you hated what God loved and you loved what God hated. When you were born again, he put a new love and a new hatred inside of your heart. Now you love what God loves and you hate what God hates. And what God says is best for you and wants from you is for you to have a full submission to the husband and the man that you are ultimately married to. And let me, let me say this phrase. Listen, I believe this with all my heart. Every godly, born-again woman desires within her inner being to be submissive to her husband. Every godly woman. Every godly woman ultimately desires it. Listen, listen, and I'll read this now to you. First Peter chapter three and verse five. Listen to what the word of God says. Peter writes, for this, he's speaking, of, he's speaking in context of submitting. He says, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves. Now, this is what he's saying. The holy women, he's talking about Sarah, women like Sarah in the Old Testament, women, uh, ladies that you look back to and you're like, wow, that was a godly woman. Sarah, man, it, she, she was a godly woman. She had her act together. He says, this is how those women of old who had hope in God adorned themselves. In other words, here's how they choose to beautify themselves. Not with makeup, not with clothing, not by doing their hairdo up. The way that they beautify themselves and what they believe made them most attractive, he says, was this, this last part, by submitting to their own husbands. By submitting to their own husbands. In the heart of every godly woman, there is a deep desire for her to submit to the leadership of the man that she's ultimately married to. Ladies, would you agree with that? I don't hear an amen, I don't hear nothing. So let me, let me give you this illustration and why, did, why I chose to do this. I have no idea. It would have been much easier just to pick on the men. So, um, but, but, but listen, um, some of you know this and some of you don't. Uh, some of you know that I got canned at my last church, right? And some of you are like, well, I see why. I see why that is, um, why you're doing this. 
And, and really, what you may not know about that is that this is the issue that I got fired for. There were a lot of problems that had happened, but I had gone to a church that almost everywhere within the church, everything was being led by the women of the church. Now, let me explain something. I want you to know, I am not against women leadership. We need to have women lead. We won't get anything done, right? We're, we're a team. We got to work together, right? Yeah, for this whole thing. But I will tell you this, in my heart of hearts, I know that every single church that is led primarily by the women, this is not the, the women's fault. It is not a church that is primarily pleasing to God and it is weak at its very foundation. It is weak at its very foundation. So when I, went into, when I went into there, because it was women doing everything within the church, the guys were doing nothing but meeting one time a week, slurping up greasy eggs, talking about the good old days, and that was it. That's the only thing that they would ultimately do. They were even, every single classroom was basically led by women as well, and they were just sitting there, and they're like, Give. and I sat there and said, this is unbelievably unhealthy. Women, if you would allow me to, let me help you. Let me help you. As godly women, I know that you desire for male leadership. Let me help you. Let me teach this. And I begin to teach this very carefully, much, much more than even what I've been teaching this and tracking through it. And basically, that was the death nail for me. Now, there were other problems that ended up happening. And so I got canned and I said, man, I don't ever want to fight this again. Ever want to fight this again. So lost the job. They sent me packing. I begin to live. And this is really great when you're in your 30s to live with your, with your in-laws. All right, so nothing spells humility like that, right? So we come back here, and we're living in like a room, and we've got a child, another child's on the way. Uh, then some folks from Celebration Baptist Church uh, come, come and say, hey, listen, uh, I had been here for about two months, by the way, and, uh, and nobody had ever addressed me. They knew I was there, but I think they just figured, we don't have anybody else, all right? So he's here. Somebody go approach him, all right? All right, he's nobody's favorite, but just throw it out there. And so they finally said, would you come meet with us? Well, I'm going to say this, and, and I, want to say, I want to say this as accurately as I possibly can. If there's some disagreement, it's okay. The problem for me was when I began to ask people about celebration, I would ask them, I said, how was the church? How was it going? And pastors that knew me were like, dude, you don't have anything to do with that thing. And I said, why? And they said, because basically it's, it's, it's primarily women leadership in, in almost everywhere. It's predominantly women, women, not that there's not men leading and everything. And I was like, oh, great. There's, there's no way. I'm not going through this again. So I was like, well, again, we'll go ahead and go into this interview. And I told my wife this, honey, I'm going to go. I'm going to tell them almost immediately what my, Benny, Penny, you remember this, right? I, I, I'm going to tell them what my view is right up front, what biblical manhood and womanhood. All right, that's a strange way to interview, right? You get there and you go, all right, let me tell you what I believe the Bible teaches about men and women. That's odd, very odd, is it not? So I told my wife, that's what I'm going to tell them. And I go, and I'll be back in 30 minutes. And then we'll just keep, we'll keep looking for the next thing. So go in, sit down, and that's what we do. And this woman right here, Penny Smith. So I'm ready. Remember, I'm ready for warring. And, and Penny Smith sits there. Her eyes begin to fill with tears. And she just begins to say, it's what we want. Pastor Mike, you got to understand, I went with her and Debbie and Joyce and talked with so many. They said, the only reason we're doing what we're doing is because we can't get the men to be able to do it. If you can come and you can lead them, we welcome you. We want you to move. We want our God. We, we desire, I mean, it's a picture of godly women wanting what it is that God wants for them. And so why do I share this to you? I, I share it because... Your way of happiness, wholeness, and joy in your relationship is not going to come from you manipulating, fighting for your way, uh, uh, abusing your husband, uh, nitpicking all of his faults. You think it is, but that's your sin that's directing you through that. God said that's not the way. 
That's not the way to see and to bring, up, to, to bring about change in your husband. If you want, look, here, here's what I want you to hear. You hear people say, you should never get married to your spouse if all you want to do is change them. And again, like everything, there's a little bit of truth in that, right? You, you've got to sit there and say, they may never change, but I'm going to love them just the way they are, right? But God wants each of you to change in the marriage, and he wants to use each of you to help the other one change. Now, don't elbow the person and go, see, I told you so. No, 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 no. He wants you to help change each other. He's going to use you to help change your husband, but you have to do it by his way. Are you hearing me? Can't be through lording over him and making him and demanding of him and doing all these things. I'm going to show you how to change your husband. Now get your pens out, right? (laughs) Now get your pens out. I'm going to give you five ways to change your husband. Here they are. You ready? I don't see anybody. Uh, I see some. I see some men writing. I've got to counteract this somehow. So I'm going to get this down, know what they're fighting with. All right, here's, here, here's the first thing. First of all, repent from your criticism. Repent from your criticism. I mean, number one, repenting um, from the criticism that you say to their face, but probably even more so the criticism that you do behind their back. No man does well under that type of criticism. It will not foster him to do better. He will not want to be the man of God that he wants through you being critical of him or you telling your girlfriends that your husband stinks, okay? It's not gonna work. So the repenting of that. Look, your husband may stink. And most of us sit back and we agree. Men, how many of us stink, right? Raise your hand. You don't know yourself. You all stink, I'm telling you right now, all right? We're we're, we're not great at this thing, all right? But here's the idea. We, we can't have people constantly criticizing us. Number two, pray for your husband. If you'd spend half the amount of time praying for your husband as you do speaking ill of him, that man would be radically changed. Listen, nobody can change your husband, not you, not your criticism. The only person that can change the heart of your husband is who? God, that's it. So spend more time on your knees. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to be in prayer, not for what you want him to be, but be in prayer for what God wants him to be. I have found in my own relationship that that is two completely different things often in relationships, both for a husband and his wife and a wife towards uh, her husband. God, what do you want from him? Play biblical principles. Let him be a godly man and not from some selfish motivation. Number three, refuse Here we go, humbly, sorry. Three, humbly make your requests known to your husband. I don't know where we got this thing where they'll argue and they'll go, and the husband's like, I didn't know that you wanted that. Well, you should know. You should know. Listen, ladies, I just wanna let you know, your bar is way too high. If you think that we can read your mind, you need to, woof, you need to put that bar low, man. We are far dumber than what you think that, that you, we are, all right? You've got you to spell it out for us, okay? Here's what I want. And you may have to say it in six different ways, okay? But we say, why do you come and you end up, why do you make that request? Because isn't this a picture of Christ in the church? Things are not going the way that you think that they ought to be going. What are you doing? When you go into prayer to God, what are you doing? You're making a request, God, will you change things for me? Will you change the way that things are being done? It's the same thing that you do with, with, with your husband. You come, listen, it's okay to say, honey, when you say this, it hurts me. W- would you stop? Honey, when you do this, it, it encourages me and it, it uplifts me. Would you, would, you, would you do this? It's okay to make those requests. Come, be clear about the request. But here's the next point, okay? And this is where the rub comes. Here it is. 
Refuse to fight to get your way. There's a fine line between asking and badgering and nagging. You've got to be sensitive to what that is. There's going to be a time when you come and you make the request to, to your husband and he doesn't respond. It may not be because he doesn't want to, trust me. But it may be because he just, he, he's having a hard time working through it and really being able to get it done. There has to be a point where you sit back and say, okay, that's enough. If I keep pushing forward with this thing, it's going to cause conflict and it's going to cause nagging. I'm going to back up. I made the request. I'm going to trust it to my husband. Here's another thing. And here's the final one. Hope in the Lord. Hope in the Lord. You will not get everything that you need emotionally or spiritually from your husband. You're not going to. But the hope is in who? Is in the Lord. Is in the Lord. And you sit there and some of you are sitting back going, man, this is really frightful for me to really be able to follow the leadership of my husband. The reason you could do it is not because of your confidence in your husband, but is your confidence in God. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible is for women is, is Proverbs 31, verse 35. And, and, and we know Proverbs 31 is for this godly, righteous woman. And, and, and what it says here is it says, strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. I love that phrase. You know what it means? It means this, that she laughs at everything the future could possibly bring because her hope is not in her husband or anything else. Her hope is in the goodness of God. So she's not even afraid of entrusting her husband because her hope is not in her husband. Her hope is in God. Let me, let, let me share this with you, ladies. You are the single most sanctifying agent in your husband's life. There's been two primary sanctifying agents in my life, now three, maybe 16. No, I'm just kidding, just, just three. The first for me is this, uh, or one, one of the, has been my ability to be able to prepare sermons every single week. That's been one of the keys to my sanctification. Can you see that? Being, being in the word and wrestling through it and feeling convicted, and it's not fun. Uh, I gotta I'll be honest with you, because I'm sitting there and I'm getting beat up all week and you only have, you know, you got 30 minutes to get beat up and then you're gone. And so it's not nearly as bad for you. But, but what happens is the, the second sanctifying agent has been my wife. She's brought about change in me. Much more change needs to be. Let me give you an example. Recently, my wife and I were at an impasse. Are you ever in, at an impasse with your spouse? You see things one way, they see things the other way. And my wife had really good reasons why she didn't want to do what it is that I wanted to do. But I had some really, really, really good reasons of why I wanted to do what I ultimately wanted to do. And so we did this, and maybe you can't identify with this. And so I bring it up, hey, honey, I'd like to do this. I don't think that's a good idea, honey. Here's why I don't think it's a good idea. Well, as soon as she tells me I don't think it's a good idea, I don't like that at all. I, I just, be honest with you, I don't like that at all. So my job is now to convince her that she's clearly wrong and I'm clearly right and give her all the reasons. It's funny, we keep going back and forth, but at no time did she sit back and go, you know, you're absolutely right. This is what we ultimately did. We found ourselves coming back to this issue time and time and time again until finally my wife tried to make herself very clear until finally my wife sat there and says, okay, time out. We can't keep revisiting this issue she goes, because if we do, it's going to cause stress and strain within the relationship. She goes, here's what I'm going to do. The decision is all yours. I've told you what it was that I wanted, what I thought the best thing to be able to do. Now you as the leader of her home, now you make this decision. <laughs> all right, I got my way. No, that's not what happened. Let me tell you what ultimately happens. What ultimately happened at that particular moment 
is fear came over me. Not rejoicing because I got my way, but fear came over me because I realized that right now I'm standing by myself. And whatever decision that I ultimately make right now, I'm responsible for how that impacts the rest of the family. And it made me feel vulnerable at that point. What was happening is that she and I were trying to go back and forth like this. I couldn't really think clearly because sometimes all you want is your selfish way. But when she chose not to be selfish in the relationship, but to be able to submit, to do her job as her role and to fulfill her role as a wife, what it did was it exposed my selfishness and allowed me to be fearful that, hey, guess what? I need a helper in this. Clearly, the helper that God has given me does not feel good with this decision that I'm ultimately be able to make. So what I did is I went back to her, and you know what ended up happening, ladies? I became a better hearer. I began to really listen. What is the problem here? What is it that you're really saying? And I found out that her concern was completely different than I thought it originally was. And so what it ultimately did was it sanctified. And then we made a decision together that both of us fully and completely agreed upon. Ladies, here's what I'm telling you. You trying to help change, and God wants to use that, wants to use you to help change your spouse. But it's not going to be from you trying to manipulate by you trying to, to, to insubordinate in the relationship or for you to try to fight or to mimic or to do anything in the relationship to try to get your way. The only way to bring about it is to trust God. To sit back and say, you know, this is the role that God has for me. God, I'm going to trust you. And this takes faith on your part. So what I'm going to call you to do today is I'm going to cause you just in this, in this place is first of all, okay, is this where I am? Is this the relationship that I'm in? Now, I'm going to end with this, okay? I'm going to end with this. When we get to the men, men, let me say one thing before we go. Men, what you're going to do, I just told your wives that the Bible says that what they need to do is lay down their rights at your feet, to no longer fight for their needs, to no longer fight for their rights, Man, here's your job. Listen to me. Your job is to pick up those rights, to pick up those needs, champion themselves above yourself, willing to meet them at great personal expense to yourself, and, and, and make it your life's goal that she will never, ever, ever, ever regret that decision. And in 20 and 30 and 40 years, when she looks back, she doesn't sit there and say, man, I wish I hadn't done that. Instead, she looks back and says, best decision I ever made. Best decision I ever made. And the best decision you really ultimately can make is to submit yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ, to repent of your sin, to recognize that you've sinned against him and that apart from him, you cannot be born again. You need God to forgive you of your sin. The righteous wrath of God is bearing up against you. You need that sin to be removed. You can pay for it or you can allow by faith Christ to have paid for it 2,000 years ago. I'm gonna call you to, to lean into that and to press into that. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, I'm gonna ask my brother, he'll be coming out in just a moment. And as we pray together, Jesus, we pray this morning. We thank you. Got a little bit tough this morning. And, and I think the reason that it's tough is because, remember, I, I remember,